Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Made for Glory podcast. My name is Sean, and as your host and the creator of this podcast, I am thrilled to share with you stories of how God has worked in people's lives. Real-life stories of how God stepped into someone's brokenness, tragedies, struggles, and addictions, and by His grace, He has brought transformation. How He has reshaped someone to both enjoy God's glory more deeply and reflect it more clearly. So stick around, find some encouragement, some comfort, and maybe find that you're not alone in your own struggles as we hear about a life that has been made for glory. everyone. Welcome and thanks for tuning in today to hear another story of a life that has been changed by God's grace. We all face hurts in our lives and at times we have to deal with the topic of forgiveness. When pain we face is left unaddressed and we live with unforgiveness, it can lead us to dark places that we never dreamed we would find ourselves. But what about when that unforgiveness is towards ourselves? And that's what we're going to hear about today in a story of past hurts that were buried down and produced fruits of addiction that compounded the pain until God showed up to take a broken man and make him new. And so I'm excited for you to hear the story of my good friend and brother in Christ, Jamie Johnson. So, Jamie, thank you for being willing to do this and come and share your story. Well, thank you, Sean, for having me. This is a great opportunity for me to share about my life. Yeah, man, I'm so excited for this. Um, Well, before we get into that, why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Um, Yes, uh, first I want to let everybody know that I'm a believer in Christ, and uh, I have victories in my life over unforgiveness, what we'll, we'll talk a little bit about today, and meth addiction, you know, and uh, right now I took on a new responsibility, at a new job, and uh, so I struggle with the thoughts of uh, not being good enough, <laughs> so I still got those self-esteem issues that rise up every now and then, yeah. but I know, I know who uh, the overcomer is and uh, who helps me through those. Amen. Awesome. Well, Jamie, uh, let's get into it, man. Let's hear a little bit about your story. And so why don't you talk a little bit about uh, some of those past events in your life that led you up to those uh, those addictive behaviors? All right. We can get right to it. Uh, yeah, when I was young, about 13 years old, I uh, asked Jesus into my heart, hmm. and uh, I was raised in a Christian home and felt God calling me. And uh, at that time, I didn't know exactly what it was, so I approached my pastor at the time, and he gave me an opportunity to preach one Sunday morning. <laughs> and uh, it was a great experience. Um, I really didn't know. I, I My sermon was on John 3.16, which is a, the yeah. best scripture in the Bible. And uh, yeah. so I got up there, and I, I shared about a two-minute, three-minute sermon on, on how Jesus loves us. Mm. And, uh, of course, I was scared out of my wits, and, <laughs> yeah. and I didn't understand my calling. So shortly after that, uh, I was involved in a tragic motorcycle accident. Mm. And uh, where a young man lost his life, and he was 10 years old. And that uh, really had me question God, um, why, why would bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, um, I still don't understand it. I just know it's part of life and that God's in control. So after that accident, uh, it really turned me. And I just kind of walked away from church and uh, started mm-hmm. hanging around the wrong crowd, doing the wrong things. And uh, I never spoke about this for like yeah. 30 years. I remember sometimes hearing you um, share your testimony. I've heard it before. Uh, we talk about the, the fear that gripped you in that yes. moment. Uh, man, so what was that like? Yes, it, uh, that was my first experience with really intense fear. Yeah. I remember uh, 
the young man, he rolled his bike over, and I was behind him, and I ran over him. Mm. And I didn't know exactly what happened. I wrecked and ran back to him. And as, as I approached him, you know, blood it was coming out of his ears and his nose, and I was screaming his name, and there was no response. Mm. And that intense fear just kind of gripped me, and, and I didn't know what to do, yeah. so I ran for help. Yeah. And uh, shortly after that, uh, well, it was later that evening, uh, I was told that he passed away. Yeah. And so that really, you know, spiraled me out into, uh, you know, just not understanding, not yeah. how to cope. So I just buried those feelings for a long time and uh, started using drugs and alcohol and uh, just kind of staying away from church. Now, although mm-hmm. I was a believer in Christ, I knew Jesus could heal me. I just didn't know how to apply the scriptures to my life at that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I never spoke about it, and, yeah. and so I just buried it and carried it. Yeah, just keeping it down. Yep. Yeah. So what were some of those behaviors that, and how did they begin to manifest uh, in your life when you were trying to cope? Because, I mean, yeah, you got the pain and the hurt, and it's like, what do I do with this? Yeah. And so uh, how did that begin for you, and where did it lead you? Yeah, I uh, I didn't have anyone to talk to back then. There, mm-hmm. there wasn't a whole lot of counseling. There wasn't any support groups. I did receive a lot of prayers, and I believe there is power in prayer. Yeah. I know this you know, through the experiences of my life. Yeah. Um, I had a, a praying grandma and a praying mother, and so, but I just buried those feelings and uh, just started doing things uh, that I shouldn't have been doing. I started smoking marijuana, starting out with that and, and drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of I guess not to live with the reality of, of what had happened. Yeah. And that carried over into uh, my high school years. And then eventually I, I did get a scholarship to play baseball. Mm. Um, I played at Rose State, and I was still partying and doing the things that Jamie wanted to do and not dealing with what I needed to deal with. Yeah. Of course, at the time, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I ended up going to a, another college to finish my, my baseball career out, and that was at Tabor College. And what's interesting about that, it's a Mennonite Brethren. It's a private Christian school. Mm-hmm. God put me in a place to surround me by people, and uh, I didn't realize that till you know 10 years later uh, because I continued yeah. on my journey of partying and doing the things that Jamie yeah. wanted to do, very selfish so at that time, I finished that, and the Lord blessed me with a Christian wife and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and two wonderful kids. And, of course, you know, I went to church when I got drugged there by her, you know. <laughs> I, uh, you know, holidays, most holidays I would go. Um, but I was really uh, just uh, on, on a bad path That's mm-hmm. what it was. So eventually, I abandoned my family, mm-hmm. you know, which just poured out more guilt and shame and unforgiveness yeah. and, and confusion and chaos in my life and just started getting high. And my, my life really started to spiral out of control, especially after the divorce. Yeah, that's uh, I was up in Kansas at the time, and uh, I really made a good, valid effort to get my wife back. I She moved on up to Topeka, and I after a year or so, I went up there. I was tired of this, and I wanted to change my life. And I went up there, and uh, I lived in a van. I was pretty much homeless. I found a job. I was trying to do right, but mm-hmm. uh, she seen through my lies. She knew I was still getting high. Mm-hmm. And so she told me to come back to Oklahoma and get my life together, and we'd work on us. So, I, hey, that's a good plan. Yeah. So I got down here to Oklahoma City, and it probably took me less than 24 hours 
to find the meth addicts in Oklahoma City. And from there, within a year, I, I caught 10 felonies. I um, was incarcerated uh, for five and a half years. I, I got a 16-year sentence is what I ended up getting. And uh, I'll never forget August 15th of 2006, sitting in a little cell, you know, I cried out to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked him if he would walk me through this valley, I would serve him the rest of my life and do whatever he needed me to do. Yeah. The difference was is this time, I mean, in and out of county jail several times, this time it wasn't a promise to God. This time it was a commitment. I, mm. I, I changed it to a commitment. And, and what I love about it is, uh, you know, a lot of us say, you know, I'm a servant of the Most High. Well, that's, that's awesome, and I, I believe that, but I would consider myself as a, a child of the Most High, mm. a yeah. son of, yeah. of the one true God. Amen. And so as being a child of God, you know, Service is an honor to me. So. Man, that's such a great perspective. Yeah. We're not a servant, but we're a child. We're brought into the family, and it's an honor to serve. Man, that's good. And also, just to kind of go back a little bit, it, that idea of like compounding, like when we don't, when we stuff that stuff down, mm-hmm. it usually comes out, um, and we don't deal with it, it comes out in more hurt, more yes. pain, more struggle. And so, man, that led you to that point of being in that cell. Uh, crying out to Christ. And so, man, what was like the progression after that? What were some of the things that took place uh, both in prison and then up to that point of getting out? What was that like in your relationship with God as it was growing? Yes. uh, You know, sitting in that cell and making that commitment was really a it was the crossroads of my life right there. Mm -hmm. I say that because I'd never been to prison. All I know is stories. And you know, and I knew with God on my side, he told me, you know, just go go get it done. I'll be with you. So I didn't think much of it. And then, and then I went to the reception area down in, in Lexington, Oklahoma, which they call it Lark. And they ended up sending me to uh, Granite, OSR, Oklahoma State Reformatory, which was uh, really eye-opening. Um, that fear that I had in the motorcycle accident this was similar. When we pulled up on, on the bus and I got out, I was looking at just the, the razor wire, 20-foot walls, you know, and, and I'm thinking to myself, Lord, why I'm here? I'm just a drug addict. I, I've never really murdered anybody or done anything. But I had to refocus that and remind myself that uh, I'm doing time for what I got away with, not what I got caught with. So all my past is why I'm here. And uh, so I went through that uh, cruel and evil valley with my head held high. I didn't have any confirmations. I did survive two riots. Uh, Thirteen people was killed there in 18 18 months that I was there. Um, God surrounded me with Christian brothers, uh, put me in a faith and character program, and it was the first one at this facility. Uh, you know, it's just uh, it's amazing how things work. Mm-hmm. It didn't take me long to realize, even though that I was in this faith and character program, that the Department of Corrections really wasn't about uh, rehabilitating anyone. So, you know, or or reformation. They they mm-hmm. were they were about putting you in there and let you do your thing. And what's interesting is is I was in there there. Anything that you wanted, there was meth in there, heroin, marijuana, cell, you know, everything, every contraband you can think of was right. in there. So there again, I had to make a choice. 
Mm. You know, I was in a cell with with some people that had drugs, and uh, I watched them do it because we were locked down all the time through the riots and stuff. And uh, it was offered to me, and I can say I'm still clean messed up today. Wow. Yeah. Then then after that, uh, after the, the program there, I was shipped to Jess Dunn. I got there, and... It was a, another turning point in my life because I, I, I was still kind of selfish and, you know, I still had that, well, I still do, but I still have that uh, sinful nature, you know. It's uh, it's uh, better than yesterday, but I'm not done right. yet, that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, so I get there, and I'm all happy because I'm at a minimum, you know, there's a little more freedom, mm-hmm. and uh, I get to go to church whenever I want, I can get into programs and, and work on my life. And it was interesting because I went down to church and I felt uncomfortable. <clears throat> and it was because I was surrounded by uh, a group of men that, uh, at Granite, they would get beat up or beat down. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to go into why, yeah. but y'all can assume that. So I was there on, on my rack not wanting to go to church, you know, because of this certain group of people that, you know, kind of offended my personal thing. And that's... That's just uh, another place for the Lord to say, hey, Jamie, you know, your sin is no worse than another sin. You need to love them, brethren. Hmm. So, you know, pretty much God said, you need to go back down to church. So I started getting more involved, and uh, I had a friend that introduced me to Celebrate Recovery. You know, I I didn't really want to go through it because, you know, I've I've been clean for several years now, about three, and and, uh, I was doing good, and, and really... I thought that was my issue. Right, was, right. was my meth addiction. So I, I go down there and I start this uh, program called Celebrate Recovery and went through a step study. And we got to uh, step four, and and God really opened my eyes to what my issues mm. were. And tell tell people a little bit about what step four is. Like, what do they do during that? Um, yeah, you take a deep look at yourself from all your your past hurts, hangups, and habits. Mm-hmm. What I love about it, it's not easy. It's yeah. very difficult to do. And uh, if I can encourage anyone, when you do this, go ahead and dig deep. You know, mm-hmm. that, that hurt and that pain, that stuff that you think you've dealt with is still there. And yeah. uh, so you really need to get that out and dig deep. Uh, something else that's very important about this is you've got to, you know, keep a balance. Uh, you've got to mm-hmm. put down your good things that you've done in your life. And uh, at that time in my life, you know, everything that uh, I considered good always had something bad tied to it. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, I had a driver's license. Well, I lost my driver's license for six years yeah. due to drugs. Um, I had a wonderful family, you know, two beautiful children. I abandoned them. There was always something tied to anything good. You know, I, I had the opportunity to go to college. And I had a scholarship. Mm-hmm. And I didn't finish. So, I mean, it's good and bad, good yeah. and bad. But uh, praise God today that... Uh, you know, my good sheet is outweighing it's my bad. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's better than the bad. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I just encourage uh, anybody to take a good look at their life and be honest with yourself and with mm-hmm. God and someone you trust. Uh, spit it out and, uh, you know, continue working on your journey. Yeah, yeah. So going through CR um, inside, mm-hmm. um, what did that help you understand about your addiction? Uh, really... 
um, the addiction part, what I learned, that that wasn't my issue. Yeah. You know, that was my coping mechanism to not face the truth of reality. And so it was, uh, it was a very important time to understand that I never dealt with the past pain of unforgiveness or the guilt mm-hmm. or the shame. You know, I knew in my mind and in my heart it was an accident. I mean, it, it was something that happened that uh, I don't know why it happened or the reason why, mm-hmm. but it happened, and it wasn't my fault. It was yeah. just one of those things. <clears throat> so I had to really deal with uh, uh, getting past that. Mm-hmm. Then you compound that with abandonment of the family. Now, yeah. now it's a whole. It, all it done was kept everything going around and around. So once I, I got that out in the open with, with my uh, sponsors, what I'll call him, he mm-hmm. was a volunteer that come into prison, yeah. which I might want to add that I'm so grateful to them volunteers. Yeah. Uh, I am still friends with them now. I've been out of prison for 10 years, and they're still dear friends of mine. Mm-hmm. And some of them I even work with now. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting That's how awesome. God God works works things out like that. Yeah. So. Well, whenever you face that reality of, okay, this is where my issue is really coming from, you start to work on that. Um, how long was that until you got out? Um, and uh, I know you've shared a little bit sometimes about the experience of uh, coming back to your home church, um, you know, being, you know, shackled and chained. And tell us a little bit about that experience. Yes. In, in 2011, uh, my father passed away. So there again, there's another another thing why you can't do nothing. You're incarcerated. The only thing that I figured out I could do was pray. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, yeah. there is power in prayer. And and God assured me that uh, everything was going to be all right. And, uh, you know, so you know, my dad had a business out there. When I get out, I was going to go work for him. So I had a plan that was you know, I had Jamie's plan yeah. <laughs> working. You know, I was going to get out and help him grow his business and do all this. And after he passed away, all those thoughts come in, mm-hmm. all these selfish thoughts and not looking to the Lord. It's like, what am I going to do? Where am I going to live? Am I going to have a relationship with my children? Am I going to get my family back? Yeah. I mean, just everything over and over. And and, and God told me, he, he said, hey, Jamie, you just be obedient to my word and what uh, I have you to do. And everything will work out. Hmm. So at that time, DOC let me go uh, to my father's funeral at, at Woodland Hills, yeah. um, which I personally never been in that church. I was raised in Newcastle, but I was never never been in that church. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had long hair. Um, I was shackled, belly chained, and uh, that was a very very hard moment because I mm-hmm. knew my family and my friends were getting ready to see me like this yeah. that I grew up with. Jesus gave me the courage to walk in. I walked in with my head held high. Uh, the officer had compassion for me, so he, he took the shackles off my chain, off my feet, and, and the belly chains off my belly. I had to remain handcuffed, which was great because at that time I, I got set by my granny, which I was very close to my granny growing up. Mm-hmm. She taught me a lot, fishing, card games, board games, you know. Of course, all the good cooking. Yeah, <laughs> um, I was very close to my granny, and uh, so I got to hold her hand throughout my my dad's service. That was a priceless moment in my life yeah. because my my granny shortly died after that. It was two or three months, and of course, mm-hmm. I didn't get to go to that funeral. Yeah, so when when I went back to prison, that's when the Lord gave me a vision to to start celebrate recovery at Woodland Hills, which 
You know how it is. Like, oh, come on, man, really? Right, right. You know, well, actually, he asked me to introduce it. That's how I, I heard the message. Yeah. Was introduce it. So, you know, well, I can go in there and meet with the pastor and introduce it. That ended up turning out that Jesus told him that I was his guy to do this. And, and yeah. so we've been doing this for, for coming up on eight years now. Hmm. So it's really, it's really a blessing. Um, what I love about it, it's not easy. It's just like life. There's, there's yeah. nothing easy. You know, so when I was released, I had a job lined up um, with Alliance Steel, and uh, which I greatly appreciated. Yeah. Nothing was easy about that. Um, the struggles of not having a driver's license, you know, the uh, embarrassment and shame of having my parents. Now, you got to remember, I'm 47 years old. Yeah. You know, my parents are driving me back and forth to uh, to meetings, to the pro officer, to work every day for six months. And it's mm-hmm. it's very, very hard uh, mentally with your self-esteem, your confidence. Yeah. It's just very hard to deal with. The Lord, He helped me get through that. Yeah, and it's really humbling. Like, it, it really puts you in that place of, like, where's my identity going to come from? Right. Is it going to come from my strength and my ability to solve all of this? Right. Or is it going to come from, God, I trust you, and I'm totally dependent on you? And that's pretty amazing how God got you through that and orchestrated those events, you know, with one with loving parents um, and a job and brought all that together to keep you keep you going. Yes, it, it's uh, really amazing. But here, here's what really catches my eye about this story that uh, uh, I, I, I continue to go back into prison to do ministry. And, and mm-hmm. I always encourage these men to have a plan, trust in God, you know, follow Him. And the reason I say that is uh, when I was released, I started my job a week after. I had everything, you know, I took care of business, started work. You know, the second week I got a paycheck. I was so happy because yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of money, for the, you know, more than I ever had in the last uh, uh, five and a half years. So I was very happy. And then the uh, the second paycheck, I received $40 for working the same amount of hours. Okay, all, all those years I worked hard on on. Changing my heart, changing my mind, trusting Jesus, knowing everything's going to be all right, went out the window. Hmm. I mean, it, it, and I think about it now, it's like it only took that one little thing to flip me where I was ready to put my stuff in the attic and go right back to the street. You know, I sit here and think about it, it's like, man, you know, I'm just grateful for my mom to remind me that... Uh, no, you're okay. You just continue to do what you're doing, and God will work things out. Mm-hmm. And I am thankful that uh, God gave me enough sense to listen, Yeah. or I would probably still be inside right now. Yeah. One of the things that I really love about your story is how God brought you to that point to basically break you, you know, mm-hmm. within, within that cell, and then brought you into that moment, bringing you into those church doors in a very humbling state yeah. into a church. And like you said, you know, you're going around all these people that know you, and here they are having to see you in this condition. And then God, once you got out, brought you back to that church to say, okay, now I want you to help other people that are going through addiction. So, man, I I first met you as the, the CR ministry leader over at Woodland Hills, mm-hmm. and you've been a great encouragement to me. And I know you've been a, a massive encouragement to a lot of people. Well, what are, what's going on like right now for you as far as like, how is God using you? Um, and what are some of the things that you're involved with? And like, how are you seeing some of that fruit of God saying, you know, I'm not going to waste these years and I have called you into ministry. And so what are some of those things for you right now? 
Um, yes, it's a very interesting story for me. I don't know about anybody else, but for me, it's 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 very interesting um, because long ago, as I said in the beginning, God called me into ministry, mm-hmm. and uh, so the Lord. What I, what I love about Jesus is He lets us make our own choices and our own decisions. So at that time. He finally had enough of me making my own decisions, so he set me down, set me in a place where he could work on me, and you know, mm. and through this whole time, God don't waste a hurt. Yeah, you know, he don't waste. Uh, uh, if you make a bad choice, um, he he won't waste it. You you give him an opportunity, he will teach you how to use that to glorify him. Amen. And to and use it to encourage other people. And so the Lord uh, sent me down at this time and uh, really taught me a lot and give me the opportunity to to share this with m- many others. And what what I found along this journey is uh just cuz uh I I have a meth addiction and I might not be able to to uh, relate to someone that's overeating or pornography or or something like that, the root cause of it is the same. We all have the same hurt, whether it's depression or anxiety or stress. Mm-hmm. Our addiction might be different, but uh, we all hurt the same. Mm-hmm. So as I'm still walking out this journey, I worked for Alliance Steel, which God blessed me with that. Um, I worked hard, you know. Just, you know, I worked my my tail off. Yeah. Um, he promoted me and moved me up into a uh, into a supervisor position, and where where I had the opportunity to uh, get a uh, Hope Center recovery house involved at our work. So now not only are they coming to work, they have a place to work, I got the opportunity to work with a few men there. Mm-hmm. You know, So it, it's really interesting. And then I had this uh, job opportunity to, to come up, that which I'm involved in now, is with the Prison uh, Fellowship Ministries. Mm-hmm. Uh and it, it's very challenging. I think that's what I like because I have to. I can't do it myself. I've got to lean on God. I mean, yeah. I, this is a Jesus thing. That, you know, it's uh, it's very high tech technology. I've got to learn. I'm not very skilled at it, and, <laughs> but I'm picking up on it. Uh, but He gave me this opportunity to start a new program from the ground up inside prisons. And uh, matter of fact, we just launched the programs this week in Oklahoma. Uh, what's amazing about it, it's an opportunity for the prisoners to uh, help design and create this program, and it's uh, peer-led. So so they get the opportunity to learn administrative skills, leadership skills, and uh, things like that, and it's just uh, it's amazing. And what's even better is we are starting these chapters on the outside, too, is, is our plan. And so that way, when when these men and women are released and become returning citizens, they have a place that they can meet once a week or once a month to just connect with uh, other returning citizens to, to network. And, hey, yeah. these people will hire you. These people won't. This is a good mm-hmm. place to live. This is a good recovery group. This mm-hmm. is a great church. It's just it's a great opportunity to network. I'm very encouraged by it. Like I said, it's very challenging. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's it's a really amazing the turnout we had this week for that. Mm. Well, I can't think of a better person that has mm-hmm. a heart, one for mm-hmm. the Lord, that mm-hmm. wants to see Him glorified, wants to see people set free through Christ. 
and also who's been through it and understands the situation, understands the challenges. And I think it's great that idea of trying to build um, a community that they can connect to. And that's something that's been just heavy on my heart lately. Um, it's just this whole idea of community. Uh, I mean, we experience it in CR. We experience it through, you know, through our churches, um, through Sunday schools and small groups, uh, through recovery groups. But I think it's great for them to have a place where they can get together and do that. Uh, you know, you say community. That is one of the uh, values of good citizenship that we are presenting to the men and women on the inside. Mm. And uh, yes, it's it's community affirmation, productivity, uh, restoration, uh, um, and integrity and ref- reformation. Or yeah, reformation. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So it's uh, those. And and what's neat about that is uh, you know inside you have the church and state law. So so uh, to to present uh, programs, you just can't have biblical things in there, which we want. Yeah. So. You know, these uh, good citizenship values are biblical, you know, so mm-hmm. it gives us an opportunity to show the love of Jesus. Um, I guess we'll call it uh, the uh, ministry of presence. Right, That's right. what it is. Yes. You know, let let, let lo- the Lord overflow His love towards those men where the, they'll ask about it. They'll say, yeah. so so what, what's going on with you, Jamie? And yeah. I said, well, Jesus saved my life, and that gives Amen. me an opportunity to share share the gospel. Mm-hmm. So that that's my goal, anyway. Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah. Jamie, man, I greatly appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and sharing what God's doing right now through you and in you. Uh, man, I'm always encouraged by you. I love your energy. Uh, man, when you worship, man, I can see that you've been set free. Yes. And, man, I love it. I love it. So, uh, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back, and we've got three questions to ask you. All right. Sounds great. Hey everyone, before we finish up today's episode, I just want to take a minute and say thanks for listening and also let you know that the Made for Glory podcast is produced by Christ Life Art. Christ Life Art is a ministry focused on encouraging others in their faith by cultivating a deeper love of God through a wider view of His glory. So if you want to help this podcast keep going, first I'd ask that you pray for it. Pray that God would use the story shared here to change lives. Then subscribe and share the episodes however you can to help get the word out. You can also support this work financially by donating a wood ring to a future guest. And so this allows you to be an active part in helping someone remember who they are in Christ and help them share their story for others. You can find out more details about this at ChristLifeArt.com support. And you can find out more about the purpose and the vision behind this podcast by checking out the special trailer episode, which is episode zero. everyone we're back with Jamie Johnson and we're going to ask our three questions and so first up Jamie what is a verse for you that was really critical or an encouragement in your story yes this is my life verse that uh, actually Jesus said you better put this on your heart because you're going to need it mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> at the time I'm saying yeah, all right I'm good um, but I have to pretty much use this scripture and it's Galatians 6 9 and I want to encourage each and every one of you out there to put this on your heart, memorize it because it's good to have in your tool bag. And it says, Do not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. And that's the important part. Just don't give up. Just keep on seeking the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Such a great verse. I know you've shared it with me sometimes as an encouragement, and I appreciate that. 
All right. Our second question is a song, book, or maybe a sermon that's been an encouragement to you. Well, one of my favorite songs, and uh, it's I guess it's becoming classic now because uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's a fairly old song, but it's uh, the song Overcomer mm-hmm. or Overcome. And if you'd look it up, uh, you'll find it that uh, you know Jesus overcomes the word, and that just reminds me of another scripture that. Uh, I really like, which is uh, Revelations twelve eleven. Yeah, you know we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. And for me in my life, if uh, you know my testimony is all about Jesus, and I, and I want it to encourage others. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why I lean on that that scripture there. Yeah. All right. The third question is: If you were sitting across the table from someone, let's say someone's listening to this right now that is in a similar situation that you've been in, what would you want to tell them? Well, I'm telling you there's only one way to do this, and that's with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But as we talked about earlier, it's about community. And then it's about finding people that you can connect with and understand. Uh, The most important thing is is you've got to make the choice. Jamie can't make it. You know, Mm -hmm. Jesus has given you this opportunity to say yes or no. Um, He's going to love you either way you choose. And, uh, you know, community is very important. Um, for returning citizens from prison, it is very hard. I mean, everything's stacked against you. And for me, I was fortunate enough to have some family out here, and there's some people that don't. So if you don't, find you a good church home that, that, that talks the, speaks the biblical principles. Yeah. Find a, a recovery group. Um, of course, I'm going to give a shout-out for Celebrate Recovery sure. because it's— uh, you know, it's Jesus-led. It's, yeah. And, uh, you know, find you some people you can trust. So when you're having those days where you feel like you want to give up and quit or you're angry or you're sad, that you can just reach out and say, hey, I need to talk to you for a minute and ask for prayer. And, mm-hmm. and don't be scared to ask for prayer. I know all my accountability partners and sponsors and, and uh, you know, my pastors, people in my church, if I called them today and said, look, man, I'm really struggling, I need prayer, they would pray, mm-hmm. and and I'm gonna say 99 percent of them will say, "Hey, you want to meet? Where we can sit face to face, have coffee, and talk about things." And that's so important in my journey. You know, the main thing though is stay focused on the Lord and just don't give up. Don't give up. No. Amen. Well, I know I've had to text you before and say, yes. "Man, could you guys pray for me?" And so, yes, that's a key component, man. And I appreciate your prayer and your help over yes. the years. All right, everyone, I appreciate you guys sticking around and hearing Jamie's story, and I hope that you'll join me next time where we hear about another life that's been made for glory. Amen. 